You know, one of the hot topics of the day, and, and I talk to people all the time, and they're all about this, is uh, the DNA testing you can do now. You can find out who your people are. Uh, and, you know, you've always wondered, you know, how, how much, in my case, how much Italian am I really? And is there Irish in me? And all these kind of things. And it, it, it's super, super fun. And I, I think a big part of this is we, like, we want to know not only who our people are, our origins, but we want to know, is there some, do I come from somebody who's like kind of famous or am I the, like the fourth cousin of Einstein? You know, did my people come over uh, on the Mayflower and things like that? And so I think that's one of the, the reasons that hundreds and thousands of people are, are doing that. So the other day, my, my sister texted me and she said, hey, I had that test done. And since my sister and I have the same blood in us from mom and dad, uh, she gave me the results. So I want to share it with you and talk about it just, well, tell you and explain in a moment. So um, my dad is 100% Sicilian, so I'm half Sicilian, but here's what you need to know about Sicily. So Sicily is an island apart from, from Italy. It is Italy, but it's kind of set apart. And Sicily was conquered by, like, everybody. I mean, they just got conquered over and over and over again because they, they didn't have protection. And so when you say I'm Sicilian, it could mean a lot of things. So this is kind of like, well, so what does that actually mean? So um, here, here's what, uh, what it actually says, that, that I'm 40% South Europe. Uh, which is Sicilian, and then uh, Irish, Scottish, and Welsh, 18%, just kind of giving you the breakdown. I found out that I'm 17% Scandinavian. We got any Scandinavian people out there? A couple, okay. Had no, that comes from my mom's side. Uh, Middle Eastern, 7%, uh, Great Britain, 5%, Europe, West, uh, 5%. So that's, that's kind of the, break, the breakdown, but here's a couple of things that really, really intrigued me. I found out so, like, for years and years, I've been talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, the Jews and the Gentiles, you know, and, and if you uh, are uh, uh, a Gentile, it means, you know, you're, you're not a Jew, and if you're a Jew, you're not a Gentile, but I found out I'm part Jewish. Like, so I'm like, wow, I can no longer say that I'm 100% Gentile. I thought that was kind of cool anyway. And then the other thing, the other thing makes perfect sense to me, and that is, like, for years and years, I've noticed when I'm singing with white people that... They don't, they're not able to keep the rhythm, you know? I'm like, why, why, is it when I'm, why is it that when I'm singing with white people, they just, they can't, you know, they're clapping, they get it all wrong and everything, and I, what is that, you know? And I found out I'm part African. Yeah, yeah, so that's the deal right there, man. I got, now I know, now I know. <laughs> and there's just something cool about knowing that, but it's, it's like, the, the, we all want to claim to fame, right? We all want to say, like, I come from something big, or, or you know, uh, I know somebody famous, or things like that. And it just seems like we're, we're looking for something to just be able to say, I am, because... But then, when it comes to spiritual things, for some reason, we, we kind of like, in the moment that we say, well, I can be used by God, or, or God's in my life, and he's doing this in my, my life, there's a tendency, I've noticed, even among myself, in myself when I was younger, to kind of shrink back from that and go, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, you know, I might be like Bill up here and, and be a great entrepreneur, and I might do kind of a, a lot of things, and I'm a pretty smart person, but when it comes to spiritual things, suddenly we just kind of shrink down, and we're like, whoa, yeah, I don't know about that stuff. Okay, I, I, I don't know if I'm, God can really use me. I don't know if my resume measures up. And so we, we begin with the statement that God is more interested in my availability than my capability. And, and the question is, I think probably the biggest question is this, are we actually available for God to use us? 
So we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit, and we're going to go into, back into the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, can you turn there to Ephesians chapter 3? Um, and I'll just kind of give you um, a little background on what we've already talked about. So we've actually been in the book of Ephesians for several weeks. We're kind of coming in and out of the book of Ephesians. And so for the first couple of uh, chapters, Paul does what he always does. If you follow, if you've read Paul's letters, there's a certain rhythm that they have. And you'll notice usually about the first two or three chapters, almost anything that he writes, he goes, here's who we are, here's what we believe, here's why we believe it, here's who God is, and he kind of lays the foundation for our faith. And then he spends the next several chapters saying, and this is what this looks like, this is how you live, this is what this means. And so for the first couple of chapters, these are some of the things that Paul has told us as followers of Christ. He said, you are a chosen people, you are a redeemed people, you're adopted there's a lot of adoption language that he uses. You're predestined, you are marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit. He says things like you are made alive in Christ. Um, grace is one of the major themes. Paul is actually known as the apostle of grace. He says you are saved by grace, not of your works, lest any man should boast. So from all of us, saved by grace. And then he says you are created to do good works. You have a job description, your purpose in life, my purpose in life is to make this world a better place, make our communities a better place, created to do good works. Um, and then the last part of these, the, chapter 2, he talks about this great division. that used to be, it was the Jews and the Gentiles, remember? And then all the walls came tumbling down after Jesus. And he said, no, no, everybody is on equal footing before God now, before Jesus. So that's where we're going to pick it up, chapter 3. And we're going to look at 13 verses here, verses 1 through 13. And I'm going to unpack it a little bit as I read it. He says, for this reason, I, Paul. Now, when he says something like, if you ever just open up a chapter and go, for this reason, you start reading on it, you go, well, wait a minute, for what reason? So we've got to back up a couple of verses here so we know, understand what, he, what he's saying. He says, in him, speaking of Jesus, the whole building, speaking of the church, the people of the church, is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. For this reason, so that he just answered that, that's the reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles. Did I mention I was Jewish? Okay, I just... Surely, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given for me, that is, the mystery made known to, my, by, to me by revelation. So what is the administration of God? Well, maybe this will help you with this. Every, every four years we have an election, and every four years we sometimes have a new president, or maybe that president will run for eight years, but then it's turned over to a new, what, administration, right? We always wonder, what is that administration going to look like? Well, this is, this, this is the administration of God, worldwide, universal. So he talks about the administration of God. And then he says, that is... The mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In in reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. He keeps talking about this mystery. Verse 5, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together one body, and shares together in the promise of God. In Jesus Christ. Now, to us today, this is no big deal. We're like, okay, Paul, you've said that over and over. You seem to be sort of hung up on that. 
But you have to understand this opened the floodgates of grace and that everybody gets in. There was a lot of hoops to jump through before. He says, so everybody, Jews and Gentiles, it's just, just the same. Uh, verse 7, he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. And although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this, ministry, this, ministry, or this mystery, excuse me, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, that's an interesting word there. He says the man, it's like a multifaceted, the actual original word means multicolored. Like God is just rolling out this amazing plan for the world. That, that God should be known to the rulers. He should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. That's really different than it used to be. Again, I, I go back to the fact that there was a lot of hoops you have to jump through. He goes, no, you can approach boldly. And I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you which are your glory. I'm glad that God doesn't require a spiritual resume so that we can be used of him, because I would have not qualified. And I think probably that's true of a lot of us. Like if it was about that, it was about some kind of pedigree or degree or, or a resume or something like that, like we, we would have never made the cut. But, but God doesn't see it that way. As a matter of fact, have you, have you ever applied for a job and you felt woefully underqualified as you were, you know, probably all of us have been there like, oh man, I don't know, they're going to look at my resume, I don't know if they're going to accept me. Here, here's, here's a job description that will scare every, every new uh, parent half to death, having a kid. And I, I see all around here, we have kids all over the place, and I remember just my wife and myself, you know, she told me that day, hey, we're expecting, and I'm like, whoa. So read a bunch of books, you know, tried to prepare myself the best I could, and then you have the kid, and I'm telling I don't care if you are a genius. I don't care if you teach uh, developmental psychology for children. There is nothing that prepares you for being a parent. And every parent knows this. And what do you do after that? You fake it until you make it. That's what you do. You just, every day is a new experience, you know, and now they're a teenager. This, they're going through all of these things. And after you have the first one, you get kind of a clue, and you start to sort of figure it out. Well, it's, the same is true, actually, in stepping out in faith for God, where you just go, okay, God, um, you know, I, I'm here, and uh, I, I hope that you can use me, and I don't know what exactly I bring, but, 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 but here I am. As a matter of fact, let me read to you a list of some very underqualified people that were actually heroes in the Bible. All right, are you ready for this? Abraham, now listen to some of the things that they struggled with. Abraham was old, Jacob was insecure, Leah was unattractive, Joseph was abused, Moses stuttered, Gideon was poor, Samson was codependent, Rahab was, well, immoral, David had an affair with all kinds of, and all kinds of family problems, Elijah was suicidal, Jeremiah was depressed, Jonah was reluctant, Naomi was a widow, John the Baptist was eccentric, to say the least, Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered, Martha worried a lot, the Samaritan woman had several failed marriages, Zacchaeus was unpopular, Thomas had doubts, Paul had poor health, and Timothy was timid. Those are people that are heroes of the faith today. And I would hope that that, that would in, encourage some of you, when you look at that list, and 
you know, if there was a resume to be had, those people, it wasn't a real impressive one for them. But somehow God used those people. Now, this is what the Apostle Paul says. And when he makes this statement, it's almost, you almost, almost want to scratch your head. You're like, he says, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. You're like, wait, wait, wait. Are we talking about the Apostle Paul? Are we talking about the great church planter, missionary, evangelist, the guy that planted all these churches, the guy that wrote a good portion of the New Testament? What do you mean I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people? Well, Paul had two resumes. There was before Christ's resume, and there was the after Christ's resume. And the first one, was a, it was impressive on a certain level. He was very educated. He was the head of his class in all things relating to his faith and his religion and Judaism. Um, he, he, said, he would say, I am the Hebrew of Hebrews from the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised the eighth day, and on and on. He would talk about, you know, he, like, he was a Jew of all Jews. But then, because he did not accept Christ and rejected Christ, he was a one-man wrecking crew for Christianity. And if you know his story, you know that he was out and about trying to destroy this new movement called back in the day, The Way. As a matter of fact, one of the great leaders of, of the church was a guy named Stephen. That's where I got my name from. And Stephen, as he was leading the way, got stoned to death. And the apostle, his name was Saul back in the day, was standing there going, right on, man. So he was a part of that. He would uh, go on, if you'll read chapter uh, 8, the apostle Paul talks about his conversion. But up to his conversion, you know what he was doing? He was a terrorist. He was literally going home to home. He was dragging children, moms, dad, grandmas out of their home, making them blaspheme the name of Jesus. He, he would say, in my obsession with this, many of them not only were sent to prison, but were murdered, killed. That's why he would say that, that I am less than the least of all the Lord's people. Yeah, he had a resume. It was a pretty gnarly resume. But then he showed up. And said, okay, God, if you can use a guy like me, you, know, you, you can pretty much use anybody. That's why he would go on in, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. He would say this, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So Paul's talking about the fact that, that he had struggles at times. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me for when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul actually had what he called the thorn in the flesh. There's a, we have a guy who actually works on staff at New Break. We've, I've mentioned before, we've got several campuses. And we have a creative arts department. And uh, this guy, in fact, the, the film that you saw up there of the baptism, he was the guy that was shooting that. He's, he's uh, 20 years old and recently found out that he has a genetic disease which causes his hands to tremble. Even so, through his weakness, God is using him. See, God does stuff like that all the time. He didn't quit and go, well, I can't be used as a, a video guy anymore. I, I, can't, I can't use this art for God's purposes. He says, no. And that's basically, we know that Paul had some kind of a, a weakness, something that set him back. He says, but when I'm weak, somehow God comes through, and, I, and I'm actually strong. God always equips me to carry out whatever he calls me to. So here's what you need to know. Every single one of you in this room, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are called by God to do something. You are called by God to do something. And I want you to be convinced of that. So turn to the person next to you and just say, you're called. Let's go ahead. You're called. We're, all, we're, we're called. We're all called to something. Every single one of us. Let me tell you a little bit about my calling. 
Um, I, was, I was 19 years old. I had just recently come back into a relationship with Jesus. I'd had a few wild years, kind of gotten away from faith. But I came back, and my best friend one day comes up to me right before I was going to go to this other college, and he goes, you should go to this college I'm going to. It's a really cool college. It's, it's in the beautiful redwoods of Santa Cruz. It's called Bethany College. He says, in you know, the Christian college, he goes, you should go there. And uh, I, I thought, why not, you know? Um, I mean, there's a bigger story to it, but I said, why not? And so I ended up going to this, this little Christian college, and my plan, my plan, was to be there for one semester, and then to transfer out, and then I was going to run on a track scholarship over at San Jose State and all that. So I had these big plans. And so I'm there. I thought, you know, while I'm here, while I'm here oh, over at this little college, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go into the chapel every night for a couple of weeks, and I just I want to hear what God has to say to me. So, you know, I'm coming back, and I'm sort of trying to get things all figured out with God. And here's, here's what happened. I wasn't, you know, I, I was in there, you know, night after night, and then suddenly I, it was like a thundering in my head. Did, did, did God speak audibly to me? No, no, he didn't. But it was so powerful that it scared me half to death. To this day, I mean, it just scared me. And it was God saying, Steve, I'm calling you into full-time vocational ministry. You are going to preach, teach, teach, and lead. And so for a 19-year-old, I'm just terrified, scared. Now, here's what you need to know about me. There's no preachers in my family. There are no ministry people in my family. None whatsoever. I had no context for this. I'm like, and, and you have to imagine what was going through my mind. Maybe there's something, I look at the crew out here, and a lot of you are young, and you're trying to figure out your future, and I'm not saying you're going to be a, a pastor, but whatever it is that God calls you to, just know it's probably going to be scary. If you're going to take that step of faith, it's like, okay. And for me, I just remember uh, explaining this to my friends, I, and I said, hey, guys, I had a whole group of friends, and they, they were Christ followers. I go, I think this is what God is saying to me, and, and I don't even know what to do with this, and it scares me half to death. Uh, and they, they were super supportive of it, and they said, well, just go with it, man. If you really think that's what God is telling you. And, and by the way, Steve, and this is why it's good to have friends around you, we kind of we see that in you a little bit. I'm like, are you kidding? Because you, you don't know. You don't know. I mean, you know, especially as you're, as you're growing up, like there's a lot of stuff inside of us. We don't even know that's inside of us. And so I took that step, and here we are all these decades later, and I'm standing up here today. But you've got to know this. This is such a humbling experience because every Sunday morning, without fail, I get in my car and I'm driving over here and I'm going, God, how in the world am I going to do this? I, how am I going to stand on a, on, a, on a platform and tell people about you and, and try to you know, teach the Bible? and pre- How am I going to do it? And I can't tell you how underqualified I feel, how incredibly humbling it is to think that I would stand up here and somehow as I leave here on Sunday afternoons and I'm, I'm driving out I'm like God you pull it off again I, I I don't know how you do it but I do know this God calls us and when he calls us he equips us God calls us not qualified he actually qualifies us after he calls us and see that's that's the thing because we want to go okay I'm in God so, you know, bring it, give me the talent, whatever I need, and then when you do that, then I'll do whatever the calling, and God goes, it doesn't work that way. I think there's this thing called faith. And so, you just, you got to take that first step of faith, and then when you take that first step, I'm going to show up. I don't, I don't know what that looks like for you in your life. I, like, I love this statement right here. God does not begin by asking us about our ability. 
but about our availability. And you, first of all, you have to ask yourself the question, are you really available for God? That's a deep question. We could all say we're busy. We could all say, yeah, yeah, just too much going on. But are you available? But, but only about our availability. God cares about our, our availability. And if, and if we then prove our what? Our dependability? He will increase our capability. That's the way God works in our life. So my ability to fulfill God's calling is activated by God's power in my life. That, that's how, how he works. He says, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Here's what happens. You step up and then God says, awesome. You took the first step. Now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you an extra power. I'm going I'm to next level you. I'm going to exponentially give you more than you could imagine. But it always comes with that step of faith. If, if you, well, I've never ever um, taught children before. It terrifies me. Okay, well, give it a try. Uh, I've never been involved with uh, things administrative, but I'm kind of gifted in that area. Well, we could use your help. Okay. Now, let me, let me just say something so that it brings a certain kind of clarity, I hope, this morning. It doesn't mean that God is going to say, so you, I want you to be whatever, like let's say a missionary or some other thing, and you, and you are absolutely not gifted that way. God doesn't usually do that. He usually kind of goes with our giftings. And so what we have to find out is, is how are you gifted? And a lot of you don't know what you got inside of you yet, like I didn't. At 19 years old, I had no idea what was inside of me. And, and you, but you'll never know until you start leaning over, listening to God a little bit and say, God, what are you saying to me? And God will most likely direct you towards something inside of you you don't even know you have inside of you. He'll begin to use that in, in your life. And the way that he does this with all of us is he brings us together and he works through this thing called the local church. And that's, by the way, the local church is God's plan to reach the world. You say, well, is there any other plan? No, that's the only plan. That's plan A, there is no plan B. That's how God is going to reach the world. He's going to do it through you, and he's going to do it through me. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about this, and I mentioned that there was a survey or study that was done, and it was all across America and the Western European countries, and 80% of the Christ followers, people that said they were Christians, said, you don't have to go to church to be a good Christian, which totally runs contrary to almost everything that, that the Bible says, especially what Jesus said, because, look, at powerful things happen when the church come together. But if we're all just kind of living in our own silos, going, you know, kind of doing our own designer faith, yeah, you know, I got it, got it, got it going on. As a matter of fact, if you walk around anywhere in, in San Diego today and you ask most people, uh, are you a person of faith or spiritual? A lot of people will go, yeah, I'm sp- spiritual is kind of the, the buzzword today. Oh, I'm spiritual. But what does that actually mean? The, the local church, I mean, that's how God reaches the world. Now, as a pastor, I can tell you how, how it, it works or doesn't work. Many times... I'll not see somebody for a long time, and then I'll get the phone call or the text or something, and they'll say, Steve, emergency, crisis, my life has fallen apart. It's usually because it's somebody we haven't seen for a long time, or they don't come very often, and I'll say, what's going on? And, and what I want to say to them is, so that's why you, know, you need to be at church and be a part of the church. Steve, I'm super depressed. I've been depressed for so long. Be a part of the church. Steve, um, I need clarity. I'm so confused right now. I'm looking for answers. Be a part of the church. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Oh, I never thought of that one. But see, that's, that's when we bring everybody together. Powerful things happen through the church. 
Remember one day Jesus was talking to Peter and he said, Peter, I'm going to hand you the keys to the kingdom, man. And the church is so powerful that the gates of hell itself will not stand up against it. That's the church. It's, it's God's plan to, to transform the world. In Ephesians 3, verses 10 and 11, it says, His intent was through the church, through the church. So just say it together. Just so I want to hear it come out of your lips. Through the church. Let's do it again. Through the church. So this time, say it like you mean it. Through the church. That's God's plan. There is no other plan. It's not, it's not a seminar. It's not a book. It's not some big evangelist. It's the church, the local church. That the wisdom, manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rules and authorities in heavenly places according to his purpose. Now, this is kind of cool. This is what the Message Bible says. So it means a little more clarity to it. Through followers of Jesus like yourself, gathered in churches like we are, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among angels. I love the, the, the visual on that because I'm thinking angels are watching what we're doing and they're going, wow, look at those church people go. Against all odds, let's face it, against all odds. I mean, look, look at some of the things that they're accomplishing. Look at lives that are, that are being changing. I mean, they're facing tremendous odds against them, and yet the church continues to move forward. And uh, if you know anything about angels, and one day we ought to do a message on angels, they're simply God's agents. They're different than us. They're not subjected to temptation and all the things that you and I are. So for, for angels, when they're involved in our lives, they just kind of stand amazed. They're like, well, I don't understand that temptation thing, and you're, you know, you're living in a pretty messed up world, but Wow, you're, that's pretty cool what you guys are doing. I just, I love that. And that's the church. That's the church. So let me, let me uh, end with uh, these questions. What brokenness from my past haunts me and keeps me from living out all of God's plans for me in my life? Sometimes we just disqualify ourselves. We just say, you know, I'm, I'm so broken. My, my past is so messed up. If you knew the kind of home that I came from, you would just know that God could never use me. And to that, I would say, did you listen to all those people that I read off on the heroes of the Bible? Those were just ordinary, really, in large part, very broken, messed up people in a lot of ways. Yet God used them. I remember uh, one of the things that terrified me about getting into ministry and, and the whole thing is I didn't understand anything about it. Didn't, I didn't know ministry world. I grew up in a Christian home, sort of a quasi-Christian home, I mean, sort of, but, you know, my mom was a little weird and sort of spiritual all over the place. And so, you know, that's, that's the home that I grew up in. And so one day I remember the, the, my mom was just frantic. And, and, and she, I go, Mom, Mom, what's going on? And she goes, the pastor's coming over. Like, so you need to understand, to us, the pastor was like the pope. Like, he wasn't a human being. And I remember my mom was hiding wine bottles and ashtrays and stuff. And <laughs> just like, oh, my gosh, we have to, you know, clean this whole place up. And, and I mean, we weren't smokers, but my grandparents were, so we always had ashtrays out. And so... Like, he comes over, and we were, on, we were sitting on pins and needles the entire time. We were so uptight. And then he left, and we were like, oh, wow. And then at 19 years old, I'm like, I'm supposed to be one of those people? I mean, God, do you know what I come from? And let me tell you what I come from. There are, like I said, not only is there no ministry people in my lineage, but there are lots of criminals and, and drug dealers and abusers, I mean, I'm telling you, it, it's, it's terrible. I, my, my lineage is like a weed. It's not a family tree. It's, it's terrible. So when, when I felt like God was saying, I'm calling you into ministry, nothing can be further from the reality that I could embrace. But somehow I, I took a step and I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing. And somehow God used me all these years later. 
So I want to I challenge you to, 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 to be available. Here's another question. Where do I tend to rely on my own skill, or my own talents, expertise, instead of relying on God? Here's the problem. When you and I say, yeah, I'm pretty talented, so I'm going to use this talent. That's a good thing. Use your talent. But when you start to make it about ourselves, suddenly it turns into pride, and pride always goes sideways. It always goes ugly. Always. Uh, man, I, I could sit here and, point in case, preach a whole sermon about how many people I've known that have lost everything because they let pride get into them. It'll destroy you. So God wants to take what you got, but it can't be about because I'm all that. And then how am I using my unique gifts to join in God's mission through New Break? So you'll notice on your chair, um, there is a, it's called Join the Team. And I always like to have action points at the end. I mean, we can sit up there and talk for a while, and, but if there's not an action point to it, you know. So can you just take that card? And if, if you are already involved, that's great. If you haven't been involved, we always say this. If you're going to be a part of this church, we'd like you to give us at least one weekend out of the month. That's all we ask. I don't think that's a really big commitment. And uh, I was just talking to Donnie. Is Donnie in here right now? He's probably back there with the children. And Donnie heads up our children's ministry, and he was telling me, we really need some help. It's summertime. A lot of people are on vacation. Uh, and he was saying, in particular, with, with the little ones, um, with, with the babies. And he said, and the 1045 service, I said, well, how many do we need, Donnie? He said, we need eight people that would step up for a weekend. So anyway, uh, if, if you'd be willing to do that and you, you might be like me, and you say, well, I'm, I'm not super great with babies, but, you know, you'll learn. Kind of hold one, you know. They're pretty cool. Um, or there's, we have a lot of other things you could be involved in. Um, we're still looking for people to, to help us with the worship team, you know. Um, you, could, you could talk to these guys. No qualifications necessary. Just, just talk to them. Have a conversation with them. Yeah. Well, sort of. <laughs> sort of, you know. Um, and there's, there's lots of, you know, we do, we do a setup, we do a teardown. We're still, we have tech people back there. So whatever area you feel, whatever you feel like you can bring that will help this church to go forward. Because what's God's plan to reach the world? It's the church. It's the church. And we are the church. And the church is not a building. The church is people. Okay? So um, let's pray for a moment. Father, thank you that you love the church and that you died for the church, and that you empower the church, and that you help the church to do things that we could never even imagine would be possible. You come alongside of us, and then you empower us. Yeah, we, we just are able to do things that really kind of blow our minds sometimes, and we all come together. But, but it is together, Lord. It's not one person or two people. It's, it's a team effort. It's the body of Christ coming together and doing these things. And so, Lord, help us to be a strong community, great people of faith. I'm thinking that maybe there's somebody this morning you've been talking to, and just like when I was 19 and you said, Steve, and you called me to something, that you're calling them to something. And they may not be 19, they might be 44. They might be 62. I don't know. But maybe for the first time in their life, they're hearing you a little bit this morning. And that you would speak to them and give them the courage to take that step. Help them to know that it's going to translate into something <laughs> that will be so awesome they can't even imagine it right now. To know somehow you're going to use their life for a bigger purpose. I pray that if there's somebody who doesn't know you this morning, that on this perfect Sunday, they would come to know you and it really would become the perfect Sunday. Because this would be the day that they turn their life over to you. And so... God, help them to open up to you and receive your love and your grace for their life. 
We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.